everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Talcast. Um, it's been a while. Been a couple weeks. Been a few weeks since we had Dallin on the show. Um, yeah. Life's good. Life's crazy, as always, here in New York City. Um, we're coming at you today. I'm coming at you. I say we as if there's a production team behind this, but it's just me. Um... This episode is awesome. It's with one of my really good friends. His name's Joe Decker. We met um, as freshmen in college, and we were just fast friends. And we reconnected recently, met up in New York, and had basically a whole afternoon of just epic conversation. So I figured I should just have him on the show because he's he's just the best. Um, we cover a lot of ground in this episode. We talk about college pranks, uh, marriage, Radiohead, fish, mental illness, it's a pretty well-rounded conversation, and um, I think you're going to like it. So if you do, hit the subscribe button, share it with your friends, share it on the social medias. If you want, you can contribute to my Patreon, which the link is going to be in the description of this episode. And uh, I love you. Anyone who's listening out there, appreciate you. And um, Pirate Radio is alive and well. It's here from Joe. Joe Decker. How's it going, dude? Good. How are you, Tal? I'm good. So, um, so for the listeners, we should give a little background. Obviously, I'm going to give you an introduction. Uh, but you and I, we go way back. Um, what was it? Was it the summer of 2010? We lived yeah. on the same hall, freshman Budge year of college. Hall. Budge Hall, that's right. That's right. And uh, we had both just moved away from home. It was like our first taste of adult life, freedom. And... Uh, yeah, I feel like we kind of didn't talk a ton just over the last few years because, like, we were on different paths. But then I got engaged, and so, like, you heard about that. And then we met up a couple weeks ago in New York City, and uh, I just thought it'd be fun for you to hop on the podcast because you're fun to talk to. Well, thanks, man. I, I appreciate you um, inviting me as a guest. I got to say, you must hit rock bottom on your guest list at this point if you're having me on. Um yeah. I don't know if I'm the most interesting guy people want to listen to in a podcast, but yeah, I'm stoked. Let's do it. I always I mean, love talking to you. I wasn't I wasn't gonna say anything, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, I'm I'm looking at your list right now. It looks like you've had one guest who was a politician, a tech billionaire, and is also Abraham Lincoln. I mean, yeah. Um <laughs> there's some pretty impressive guests you have on, man. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty wild. You know, hearing the Gettysburg address like in real time was was a trip for sure, but uh, <laughs> no. In, in all seriousness, I'm honored to be on your show. So this will this will be good on your podcast, the Talcast. Yeah, you, you can call it whatever you want. <laughs> um, so Joe, I'm just gonna ask you some questions to like break the ice, just to get like the conversation flowing a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, they don't mean anything. What would the world be like if it were filled with clones of you? So it was just like all Joe Deckers all over the globe. Well, growing up, my brother, he called me Grease Monkey, dude. I guess mm. it all started when we were playing Super Smash Brothers together, and I didn't wash my hands after eating pizza. And so I guess to answer that question is you'd have a lot of guys playing Super Smash Brothers with greasy pizza fingers, um, just loving life. You know, so 
Well, the thing is, you got to think about it's like if all the controllers in the world are greasy, then it's okay, right? Right. Yeah, it's like it's if if everything's greasy, then not nothing is. You know? Even playing field. <laughs> right. Exactly. That was a very very interesting answer. What um, about you? What if I flip the tables on you? Oh my gosh. Well, I would say, you know, obviously impeccable music taste just across the globe but at the same time there would be no musicians other than me which would be really sad um also everyone would be like marginally mentally ill but high functioning which is cool right right um the sweet spot right the sweet spot because that's definitely where i'm at at all times all the best Um, musicians are man yeah uh i don't know i feel like um if I could flip the tables back on you a little bit, I feel like you're like very insightful and I love having conversations with you. So I feel like if there are a lot of Joe Deckers, like we would have a lot of very like nuanced, compassionate people in the world. And I mean that well, as thanks, a compliment. Man. Yeah. yeah I, I appreciate that. I got to say, you know, you said in the intro, we are tight in college and, and we, we've sent each other a few text messages over the years, but we haven't really seen each other in person until, you know, I saw you in New York City. And I was a little nervous. I'm like, what's it going to be like? I don't know if Tal's changed. You know, we used to be able to talk about anything. And it was like, right off the bat, we were just going into deep conversations just like old times. And, and that was great. So, yeah, it was awesome. We like didn't miss a beat, you know? Yeah. It was cool. Um, yeah, that was that was super fun. And it's like it's crazy to see because like you have, you know, you're married, you have kids now, you've like you're have built a career, you're just finishing up school, right? Yep. I'm trying to remember everything we talked about. Um, but yeah, I think we should we should roll back the time a little bit and we should tell some stories about freshman year just because like I really want to reminisce on that. I feel oh, like absolutely. you'll remember some details that I've definitely forgotten. Um, I feel like we should probably start out with the prank wars for sure that, that we had with other, uh, Brigham Young university students, <laughs> <laughs> the, the bleach hair beach boys, man, the other SoCal guys, which I'm surprised you weren't on their team. You know, you're one of us. Well, but, dude, that's yeah. what was so funny. Cause I don't know if you remember this, but so I played water polo in high school. So when I moved to Utah for that summer, my hair was like, bleach white like from the sun oh i remember okay (laughs) and so i so for those listening there was this group of kids so byu is in provo utah and there was this group of kids who were living in the dorms who were also from provo so they like they felt like oh like this city is like our stomping grounds like we already know provo and they were like super cocky and like I don't know. They probably weren't as mean as like we made them out to be in our minds because, you know, like tribalism or whatever. But they all had bleached their hair prior to moving into the dorms. That's right. And so they were like all like ultra recognizable as like this clan of like Provo lifers. And so we started these prank wars with them. And I can't remember like who casted the first stone. I was going to say, man, I don't remember who drew first blood. Um, <laughs> I think I think I remember the very first one, which was like a pretty classic one in, in Provo dorms. Um, this one was you pee in a Frisbee. <laughs> then you freeze that. And then you can slide it perfectly under the slit of the door upside down, right? And then it melts and gets all over the carpet. It's a great one. Classic. Classic. Yeah, so 
that yeah that one definitely happened i remember that um gosh i'm trying to remember like what else they did i think they did a thing where it's like you remember those like hand dryers where you it's basically like an old school hand dryer you press the button it has a little spout and the air shoots downward like inside the dorm bathrooms they would turn those upside down i don't know if you remember this like they would turn it upside down and they would pour like milk in there and then they would cottage cheese oh cottage cheese (laughs) and then they would turn it on so that like the cottage cheese would like heat up and get like disgusting and just smell horrible um and it was like super hard to clean too because i think it would like leak in into the wall and stuff yeah um but we definitely retaliated i didn't do any like i didn't do any bodily fluid stuff um i don't think any of us did i hope i feel like we drew the line before that yeah um but i do remember do you remember the chlorine bombs that we made no i don't remember the chlorine bombs were you there Did, did you go to heritage halls with us like we made a bunch of bombs and we all went in pairs with like a girl and we went at one in the morning and we like blew off all these bombs you weren't there for that i don't think i was there that night oh man what happened so i don't want to drag this out too long because it's just one of the pranks but basically if you combine chlorine and rubbing alcohol in like a bottle it has the same effect as like a dry ice bomb where just like yeah gas starts expanding and like i think i heard about this actually now that you mentioned it yeah I'm pretty sure Matt Goldbranson, who's another one of our mutual friends, was there. For sure. We should have had Matt on this podcast with us. Dude, we yeah. should we could do another one. We could do another <laughs> one. There are no rules. Yeah. But so I remember we had like at BYU, there's also like something you can buy into where you have like a card, like a meal card, and you have like X amount of dollars per day for like meals, but you could also go to these little convenience stores, right? Mm-hmm. and at the convenience stores they sold rubbing alcohol and so we like used our byu money we bought like all of the rubbing alcohol on from all of the campuses like whatever those things were called the little stores and then we went to walmart we got like chlorine tablets and we crushed them up in the bathroom yeah and i i remember like the kid who was it who was you remember ian hatch oh yeah yeah he was so, the most aggressive of all of us man he <laughs> you wanted to like you know sacrifice a lamb and like put the dead body in their room or something that guy was wild yeah we had to rein him in for sure but we did we did let him crush up all the chlorine because i remember like we like put him in the bathroom in the showers and he's like crushing up chlorine and we go in and his eyes are like red and he's like yeah. crying he's like i can't breathe but anyway so we crush up all this chlorine and we have this rubbing alcohol we get like eight to ten of us and we each have a bottle filled with rubbing alcohol and then like a little bag full of chlorine, like crushed up chlorine. Mm-hmm. And we went over to the dorms of these like Provo guys. And we were like, okay, everyone like at 1.15 a.m. on the dot, like everyone watch the clock. You're, you got to pour whatever, like set up your bomb, screw the cap on and just like chuck it into the bushes and like walk off with a girl so it just looks like you're like on a late night date with a girl, right? And so right. randomly at like 1.20 in the morning, like 10 bombs go off in the middle of the dorms. <laughs> and we're all like walking away and people are like running out of the dorms, like screaming, like what's going on? And of course, like it 
it mellowed down pretty quickly after because people knew it wasn't anything dangerous. But no, I heard about that. That was a good one. Um, two more come to mind, not to dwell too long on these pranks, but I mean, they no, are I want to hear it, dude. I want to hear it for sure. Well, one was the idea of drugging the ducks at the duck pond. Do you remember this? Yes, but go on. You got to tell the listeners. Yeah, yeah. So um, the idea was you, so there was this duck pond at the base of the hill at BYU. And the idea was you could drench bread in NyQuil. <laughs> and then you feed NyQuil to like the same duck over and over again. And eventually the, the duck gets all woozy, falls asleep. And then you can take the, the sleeping duck and put it in their room, like under their bed or something. And then it'll wake up in the middle of the night and, you know, freak them out. Um, so that was, that was going well. We kept feeding the bread to this one duck. And then it just didn't go as planned. Something went down where this duck just flipped out. It started running across the street and a car just smacked this duck. Feathers flying everywhere, man. It was, it was traumatizing. You know, I, I had to go repent after that. Yeah. Well, I hope, hopefully no one listening uh, is affiliated with PETA. And I think the statute of limitations is passed. So I think we're good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, I don't know if I was there for that one. Was I there for that one? I don't know if you were there for that one. I know the next one I'm thinking of for sure you were there. All right, this go is for like it. the climax of all yeah. the pranks. I think I know, the, you know, I know where, where this going. is going. I know where this is going, but I want to hear it from you. So the way the dorms were, there was a vent that, you know, connected the hallway to every dorm room, right? And I don't remember which one of us had this idea, but one of us had an epiphany. Um, you could open and close the vents, you know, connecting the door and or connecting the dorm room in the hallway. And what if we like stuck something in there like a dead fish and then close the vent and just let it circulate in there, right? Um, so that's, that's exactly what we did. We went to this really dumpy grocery store, bought some really gross frozen fish and then like sca um, scales and all like scales, scales and all. Yeah. yeah. Eyeballs, everything, you name it. And by yeah. the way, like at this point, the, the battle between our floor and their floor, I mean, it had gotten pretty real where like each side had like their own snitch, for instance, and we had Intel on what time they went to bed even right <laughs> yeah so like you know we text our guys on their floor and they'd be like oh they're still playing call of duty it's like 1 a.m but like now's a good now's a perfect time to go do it right <laughs> yeah. so like we were constantly apprised of like any happenings but um <laughs> we get this frozen fish and uh we sneak in and then we stick it through but as we stick the frozen fish through it accidentally hits the switch like prematurely and so the vent starts clamping down on the frozen fish before we stick it through and it's jammed in there right and yeah you remember what happens from here well so if i remember correctly my little brother was dallin who's been on his podcast he was visiting me in college so he's like sleeping on the floor of my dorm and we're like well we'll get like he has like little hands to shove the fish in the vent <laughs> And so we're like, we'll like have my little brother do it. And like, he can't get in trouble. Like he's just a little kid. And I remember like, yeah, like the fish got jammed and like Dallin was on like Matt's shoulders and they're like shoving the fish in. <laughs> and then like, I don't know if it was BYU police or if it was like one of the RAs in the dorm, but like 
we all just peaced out. Like everyone scattered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, but that prank became a legend. I don't know if you remember that, but like everyone was talking about that one. And then like, even after I went and served a mission for our church, you know, this is all before my mission. I come back years later. I'm talking to like freshmen in the dorms, like, man, like things have gotten wild. Like a couple of years ago, these people were like sticking frozen fish in the vents. And you know, that was, that was a proud moment for me once. So yeah. That. that was probably like the honor code sermons, like probably included that, you know, like, you know, there were, cause so for those people who don't know, like BYU, is very unique in that like you sign what they call the honor codes. You have to like stay clean shaven. Your hair has to be short. It's like very strict when it comes to like university campuses. And I'm sure that there were a few lectures that, um, but like from what I understand, I don't think any, I don't think there were any like long-term consequences. No. Well, we scattered. mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty sure like me and Matt, our other friend, which, yeah, we got to get him on the show at some point. We ran and I want to, I want to say like, I got my little brother out, but like, maybe I didn't and that's horrible, but like, <laughs> but you're like, he, he'll survive. He's not a student. Yeah, exactly. I was like, yeah. he's not going to get kicked out of school. Like, right. Um, right. man, that's such a good time for sure. Um, you know, let's, let's talk about this for a second. Cause, uh, you know, as I went off into the professional world, I, so I started off, um, I worked at an investment bank. And I was the only member of the church in the office. And, you know, there's like a really heavy go out and party culture at the bank. And I go hang out with them. But they were always like so fascinated with BYU culture. They were always asking me questions, super curious. Um, and as I described some of these stories, they were, they were a little jealous, you know? They were like, wow, that sounds like really fun. Like, I always thought of BYU as like the lamest place in the world, but they're like, maybe because you can't drink, like you just have to be creative and like find fun things to do. And I'm like, yeah, a little bit, right? Like, um, you know, drinking, like I, I, I don't like from a moral standpoint, I don't care at all. Like if I weren't a member of the church, if I weren't born and I'd be drinking myself, I just think most people who aren't members, they're just going out partying and drinking and they don't remember what happened. Right. And they're like, yeah, like, I just wish we did something else besides, like, just raging because, like, those sound kind of cheesy, but that was a, that sounds like it was a blast, you know? Well, yeah, I feel like, like, there's something to be, because I feel like when you, I mean, obviously, like, with, like, I, I'm not a drug user, so I'm not speaking for personal experience, but, like, I feel like with, like, alcohol and a lot of people nowadays, too, like, I feel like, you know, like, in the 80s, a lot of people did, like, cocaine nowadays i feel like everyone's like anxious and the world is like scary so people are doing like a lot of downers like a lot of like xanax and like yeah whatever and i feel like because people like self-medicate in that way they're they're getting like that dopamine at home like they can just like drink at home and chill out like drink some wine and like there's something to be said for like if you're not like self-medicating with those substances like there is a drive to like go out and get some dopamine elsewhere you know Mm -hmm. And it's like, I feel like you're motivated to, there's like that boredom that motivates you to do like crazy stuff, like, you know, feed NyQuil to ducks or like, (laughs) you know, I don't know, like, and obviously, you know, there are people who drink and that are also like very ambitious and it's not like we have a monopoly on good people or like very, you know, inventive people, but there is something to be, 
there's something to be said for like that that boredom for sure like it creates chaos you know yeah yeah exactly um do you feel like in your work like being a member of the church do you feel like it hindered you at all like do you feel like even if they were curious was there like a did you feel like an outsider um no i mean in the beginning i did in the beginning i did and that was before i feel like they could get to know me um you know i i hit every stereotypical box of a mormon when i first came into the office right mm-hmm. um so to take a step back um you know i was married a year after i got back from my mission um and within a few months my wife and i found out that uh she was pregnant it was a surprise so you know we wanted to have kids much later and so we're like oh great now we're now we're like really fitting the byu stereotype you know like Mm-hmm. My wife's pregnant on campus. Um, so my first junior internship with Morgan Stanley out in San Francisco, um, our oldest was born. She was two months old. And so I was a dad as an intern, right? When, uh, you know, like my managing director, the, the big boss in the bank was like just having his first kid, for instance, right? So, you know, that was like a joke in the office is like, hey, guys, if you need like advice on being a dad, like go talk to the intern. Like, <laughs> that's wild yeah Yeah. um so you know in the beginning there was there was a little bit of that and then i i think over time like as they got to know me um there just was this mutual understanding and we became really good friends and and then even a level of respect um for just having the lifestyle i have so yeah that's cool i feel like um yeah it was interesting talking to you like when you came to new york a couple weeks ago because I mean, I'm, so I'm 29 and I'm, I'm getting married in 18 days now. Who's counting. Right. But, um, <laughs> I like, by the way. thank you. Um, yeah, I'm like beyond stoked about it, but like, I guess as like a Mormon person myself, I, I don't really fit the stereotype. And I don't, I don't even say that to brag. Cause it wasn't like I did it on purpose. You know what I mean? Right. Like I was, it just kind of is how it shook out for me. But, like, it was cool to be able to hear, like, your advice and your perspective on, like, being married, having kids. Like, and I feel like, I don't know, that's kind of, it's, like, looked down upon to do things quickly. But I feel like there is, like, a benefit to it. And it's not necessarily, like, a bad thing. Um, And I'm not just saying that because, like, I want you to feel better. Like, I I just, I don't know. Like, (laughs) I feel like nowadays there's a culture of, like, don't do things fast, like take your time, like, you know, like 30 is the new 20. And I mean, like, I don't think that's necessarily true, you know, like, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there are pros and cons to, to both approaches. Right. And so actually in my business school, um, we had to give a persuasive talk for one of our classes and we could pick any topic we wanted. And that was the topic I chose was to discuss why it's not a bad idea to get married young. And it, it wasn't to say it's the better way. It's just to be like, Hey, next time you see someone who's getting married young, like they're not crazy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like there's, there's some good things that can come from it. Right. Um, and so, yeah. So, you know, I, I talked about that and I, I feel the same way you do. Yeah. Like I remember weirdly, cause I, my memory's usually horrible, but I remember having this conversation with you when you were dating Kat. Cause like we were talking about, cause I had like gotten home from my mission, which 
for those of people listening, typically at the at age 19, men or boys in the church go off and they serve like a mission where you proselytize for two years. Like we all did that or most of our friend group did. And I remember getting home and like, you were already dating Kat and you were like, why wouldn't I do this? Like, this is awesome. Like I'm in love. Like, I'm just going to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, like that makes sense. Like, why not? You know? And uh, it seems like it's working out great for you. Um, for sure. So that's cool. I guess like, I know <laughs> this is a, this is a podcast, but I'm about to get married. So what, uh, what advice do you have for me that other people could benefit from? Wow, man. Um, you know, you ask that question like I'm an expert or something. And, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I mean, you know, I'm a bit taken aback because I wouldn't say I am. But um, I think it's well for my for my wife. I know what advice I'd I'd give her, and it was the advice our um, the person who married us gave her specifically. And she said, and he said, uh, lower your expectations. <laughs> so maybe, uh, maybe that's, maybe that's some good advice from McCall. <laughs> oh shoot. You're, you're frozen. I think that was, was good for her to not have like, it can be like, um, can you hear me? Sorry. You froze for a second. We're good okay. now though. You can hear me, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, listeners. Sorry about that. So you were saying for McCall to lower her expectations, which I think is excellent advice, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think it's all about just, just service and, and commitment. Um, I think there's kind of the Hollywood view of love, which is butterflies first and that's what's important and if the butterflies are gone then like you can just leave each other and um that's the end of the relationship and go find another person that gives you those butterflies um and then there's kind of a non-popular view where you know commitment comes first and then from commitment and going through so many experiences together and proving each other time and time again, then comes like really deep abiding love, right? And of course you need the first part. You need the butterflies. You need the stuff that gets you excited to be around each other and go on dates. Um, and you need to keep that alive. But I, I still just think it's just pretty, pretty simple, right? It's just commitment to each other. Yeah. I feel like, um, there's not a lot of talk nowadays about like committing to like a romantic partner. Like it's usually like, what are you getting out of it? You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. get what you can get out of it for like as long as you can. And then when it stops working for you, like just live your truth, like go do your thing or whatever. Yeah. Go do you. Right. It's always, yeah. it's always about you. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, like, you know, you need to be healthy and you need to be getting what you need, I think, but like, gosh, I'm so sick. And I sound like some disgruntled, like boomer, but the whole like live your <laughs> live your truth like do your thing i just i hate it so much like i'm like yeah. probably the, i'm probably the least woke person in new york city <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah that's good advice for sure i will definitely take that to heart and i think like i don't know i just feel like commitment has made me a better person like even in like this the period of time where I've been like dating who's McCall is going to be my wife soon. It's like, you just become a better person when like every day you're thinking about like 
how are you going to show up for someone else? Yeah. You know, like, I feel like admittedly, like I've spent a lot of time single, just like making records and like being chaotic sort of. Mm. And like, that was a good time, but I don't know how good it was for me. You know what I mean? Like there's like, are some weird drawbacks to being a human being and just like being alone. Um, yeah. Like, I, I don't know if, um, like you and I, we had, we didn't talk music. When we met up, we used to talk music a lot, but do you know who Henry Rollins is? Henry Rollins. No. So he was the lead singer of this band black flag. Okay. Which like, I'm like a punk rock buff. So not trying to like explain that to everyone, but basically like <laughs> the reason I bring him up is because he was the lead singer for black flag. They're like legendary, like original gangsters of like punk rock. Yeah. And he was lead singer of that band. And then they kind of like burned out like a lot of bands do, but now he like writes books and he travels and does like spoken word tours. Really? He's a super interesting so guy. Yeah. Super unique. But like, he's like a proponent of like, never getting married and like living like a solitary life so that you can like make art and like create things true artist yeah yeah and i'm kind of like that's so weird to me because how can you like have experiences to like write about and like connect with other people if you're yeah. not also like having like a human experience yeah maybe that's well, a little I mean, bit shallow no 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 it's it's an interesting thought i mean something that just came to mind for, for you as an artist, as a, as a musician, and as you write lyrics, I feel like 95% of the songs out there are about some relationship issue. You know what I mean? Like, what song is about, like, a happily married man with kids and just living a really <laughs> solid family life? Like, no one yeah. wants to listen to that, right? Right. So, I mean... Do you feel like you're going to struggle coming up with material when you and McCall are just like living a good life and right? Or yeah, I, I feel like there are some artists who have pulled it off well, right? Um, um, the singer for the killers, I'm just blanking on his name, uh, Brandon Flowers. Brandon Flowers, thank you. I mean, I think he's done a pretty good job. Yeah, I mean, that has like that actually has crossed my mind because I don't know, like obviously like no relationship is perfect ever yeah because everyone's human but like i feel like in a marriage like you don't want to like air your dirty laundry to people because yeah. that's like, like <laughs> right that like betrays the relationship right right and so For i sure. feel like like before like i'd go through a breakup and i'd be like oh like i'll i'll write a song about this and it'll be like a great way to like process my emotions and also yeah. connect connect with other people but yeah like there's not going to be a breakup and it's like that's right but at the same time like not to to toot my own horn like too much but um my last like solo album that i did there's a song called like called kill me slower and it it just happens to be my like most popular song which is still sits in obscurity but like for me it's like my most popular one right that's a great and, like one. i know that song yeah and it's like basically just me talking about how like I'm on my phone too much and like drink too much diet Coke and I need to, I'm just like dumb sometimes. And yeah, I remember writing that. And I remember like, there was this one line in the song that I took from one of my buddies actually on my mission. He used to always be like, whenever we'd bump into someone mean, we'd like leave and he'd be like, man, like that person makes me want to slip my wrist and do push-ups in the ocean. Uh -uh. 
he would say it all the time and i thought it was like so funny and so i was like i have to write that into a song and so like i started that song with that lyric and i was like okay now i'll just like write a funny song that's just like about nothing right and then i, I wrote like a funny a funny song that's like totally honest and like totally about myself but like I did it by accident because I was like, oh, I'm just going to write something funny. And then I ended up like just like dumping my emotions out there. Mm -hmm. And so that I guess that's like a long roundabout way of saying like, I hope that I still can do that even when I'm like married and probably more stable because McCall's. Well, yeah, like, yeah. And, and I didn't mean to suggest you couldn't. In fact, I'm trying to say it's refreshing to have lyrics like that. Right. Like I, I don't. You know, Taylor Swift, when she, if she ever does settle down, she's going to have nothing else to write about, right? Because, like, every single song is about just the excitement of this really brief relationship and then, you know, complaining about the breakup in another song, right? So um, I think it's cool that you can, like, talk about other stuff. And, yeah, I, I like it. So um, one thing I do, I wanted to talk about with you, and I feel like this is a good, good point in the conversation to bring it up, is, like, so when I was a freshman at BYU, you were all already like super into Radiohead. Oh yeah. And cause you're more enlightened than me. You, you were ready for a lot of things before I was ready clearly, but like, were you not into Radiohead at the time? So I was like a bit of like a Radiohead tourist. Like I was like, okay. Like occasionally there were a few tracks that I was like, I really like, but yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't really get it yet. Yeah. Like, you know, with an artist, when it just like clicks for you and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, this is what they're doing. And I love it. I didn't have that moment until I listened to Kid A probably in like 2015. Okay. And then like Radiohead just like clicked for me. And then I became obsessed. Like, obsessed. Oh, they're amazing. And the reason that I bring them up is because I feel like they've done a really good job at like, they're, it's, like their their records like the lyrical content like it's not like personal really yeah like they do dabble in that but it like still strikes like such a chord with me for sure um and i don't know why that is like i don't like i have a lot to say about radiohead but i don't know that i can like verbalize why their music like just really resonates with me um they're amazing, man. Um, yeah. And they just continue to push the envelope, right? Every album they do is different. Um, they continue to be creative. And, I mean, they're just one of those artists I could just listen to forever. Uh, Same. And not get sick of, right? I mean, do, you have a, so do you have, like, a favorite record of theirs or, like, a moment where they clicked? I mean, you? it's cliche, but OK Computer, you know, is just amazing. Cliche for a reason, dude. That album. For sure. Yeah. What, what is it about that record for you? Um, I mean, I can listen to that album in any mood. Like if I'm happy, I love it. If I'm like feeling down, it's like an awesome album to listen to. Right. Um, and every song has like just a different vibe I can fall in love with in a different way. You know, it's just, it's a great record. Yeah, it's, I feel like for, for people listening who haven't listened to OK Computer from, from front to back, like a few times, because I feel like it takes a, like there are some like very jarring moments on that album, especially if you're not like familiar with Radiohead. 
but then it's like once you really just like focus in and listen to that record like it might be the best it might be the best thing that a rock band has like ever done it's so good like but, you know your comment there it's true about all my favorite music where you said it like didn't click at first i mean seriously all of my favorite bands i actually didn't like at first and then what? it wasn't until you know my brother got me into a lot of music and um at first i just didn't like anything he was listening to and then it was just always on in the house and then same thing for me right like it just suddenly clicked with a number of these artists and i just got super into it right yeah um, yeah yeah what are some who are some of those artists that well well i mean to start off it was like classic rocks like the doors let's that one i didn't like any of those guys and then um i started getting to fish do you listen to fish yes i i I, i'm like a tourist i'm not there yet with fish oh man i love fish (laughs) i'm so for the for those listening also fish is one of those bands where it's like you either like do not know who fish is or you like have been to 80 fish concerts on acid (laughs) they have like a cult following and it's like a jam band oh it's so funny like it yeah so they're jam band and um yeah my investment bank uh my boss who i think like regularly did cocaine and he would drink like 44 ounce of coffee two times a day i mean this guy his hands were fidgeting 24 7 but um he would like calm himself with fish and he described i think he had a good description of fish he said it's like the closest thing to classical music in our day and age where you can just turn it on and it's just like pure musical inspiration that you can like lose yourself in for an hour at a time and like one song essentially you know they do have songs that will go for like 40 minutes Um, yeah but they're, they're awesome. Yeah. And it was just funny because it's like, wait, Joe, you're a fish head? Like, you're a Mormon, dude. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I so I can't really relate because I I have yet to, like, really dive in. No pun intended with the fish thing. Mm. But, like, I uh, – so, obviously, you know, since dating my fiancé, like, she goes to Juilliard. She's a violinist. Yeah. And so for the first time in my life, like, I've been to, like, a few, like, orchestra – concerts you know whereas like i've just been a rock and roll head for years and one thing i've noticed is like when i go to a rock show typically it's like i know the artist really well so the song comes i'm like waiting for all the parts of the song that i know to, and i'm like right. focused in and then between songs i kind of like my attention span goes elsewhere and then i focus back in whatever and the thing about classical music is like the pieces are so long that like my attention will wander like during the song Mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden like i'll get sucked back in and so it's like a different way i'm like interacting with the music and it's like hypnotic and like very yeah. calming and it's different it's really cool and i feel like that sounds with like what you're describing with fish right yeah for sure yeah i uh i haven't yet gotten into fish but maybe this is going to be my reason to like really check them out like really yeah, start start looking into their older albums i don't i'm not as familiar with their later stuff um but yeah if you just i'd start with the albums and then start diving into like their live albums right from there once you know yeah. the songs but anyway i mean they're super good so you know tell as you uh as you went to all these rock concerts um as a performer were their girls were like man i'm gonna go like 
hook up with this rock star. We're going to party. And then it like turns out you're like not as big a party animal as they thought, you know, <laughs> what well, was that like? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I, it sounds like, I don't want to sound like a tool, but like, I definitely had like a lot of opportunities to get with like crazy girls. And I did not like, that's just like not my jam. Um, and it's like, those aren't girls that you like want to be with anyway. So it's not, I don't know. It's kind of gross, but like, it was like really weird to experience that. Like I remember one time we played a show cause I used to be in a band in Utah and we played a show at Utah state. And it was like this outdoor show in this like big quad, like, and tons of people came. It was like this free show for the college, like a bunch of people there. And I remember like I played a set and I'm like drenched. Like I'm just like drenched in sweat because I sweat mm. profusely when I play. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember like I like have we finish our set and I like walk off the stage and I like, have a guitar in my hand. And like there's just this girl there and she walks up and she's like in my bubble. She's like two inches from my face. Yeah just like staring at me with this like really like terrifying like look that I've just pure desire yeah like it was like (laughs) it was like pure lust you know and um (laughs) it's weird and it's like not I don't know like I like really wasn't into it and I'm not trying to sound like some like moral like I'm on some crazy moral high ground but like I would like it's weird like it's like not like um there's no chemistry where you're like oh you're on a date with someone that you're like interested in it's just like a weird, like, this is not right yeah. feeling. Um, but some of the girls that I met, like, through the scene that I, like, was actually interested in and then I went on dates with, they were just, like, extremely disappointed at how much of a, like, a dork I actually am, you know? Because <laughs> I feel like I, I probably, yeah. You, you asked me this question. I think it's probably more relevant for you. Um, do you think being a member of the church has helped or, or hindered your career as a musician? Uh, that's a, I mean, it's really hard for me to say. One thing I will say is like, I spent a lot of time in the Utah music scene and in the Utah music scene, there's like this really, really, there's a dichotomy and there's like a big gulf in the middle where there's like people who are like members of the church. They kind of play like vanilla music yeah. No offense. No offense to those people. It's not really what I'm into. And then there's like people on the other side who are like, we hate the church and like religion is horrible. And like, you know, all of my experiences with the church have been like traumatic and I'm an activist like against the church. And usually those people weirdly were like usually playing music that I was more interested in. Yeah. Because like, I've always been like, I'm not that out there with my music taste, but probably more out there than your average like mormon right 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 and so it was a little weird because i was like trying to i really like am in it for the music and i like was trying to like be part of this the part of the scene where people are like making like art that really inspires me but i wasn't like doing all this stuff and i i definitely feel like there was like a like a weird like unspoken like tension and it was like uncomfortable hmm but I don't know that like, I don't know if it did, you know, I feel like I had some really cool experiences. I'm definitely not like paying the bills in New York city by just being a rock star. So maybe that says something, but um, yeah, it was definitely tough. And I remember like 
when my band started, like we tried to book some shows and there were like venue owners who were like, oh, like we don't like book BYU bands. Mm-hmm. Like we don't book bands with like people that who joined, who formed at BYU. And I was always trying to push our sound to be like more dark and edgy. Cause I just like love that style of music. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I didn't answer your question. Um, but no, no, I, you did. I think, I think, yeah, what I, what I thought was interesting was how it was almost harder in Utah than in New York even. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, like in New York, people don't really care one way or another, but you're right in Utah. It's either like you're part of the church. You're like actively against it almost. And there's not really like a big anti vibe outside of Utah. People just don't care. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I remember like, um, I was shooting a music video out here and one of my friends like saw my garments cause I was like changing. And he was like, what is that? Like, why are you wearing like, like weird underwear, you know? Yeah. And then I just told him and he was like, Oh, okay. And that was That's it. Cool. Yeah. You know? Um, whereas like, I remember one time in Utah, actually, like <laughs> we won, like we won a battle of the bands. And so we won like a free photo shoot with this dude in Provo. And we like showed up and he was like, Oh, like, some BYU boys, huh? And then, like, when he was taking photos of us, he was like, I can see your garments, which, like, for those who don't know, it's like Mormons wear, like, special undergarments that represent things to us. And he knew that. And so he was, like, kind of, like, mocking that while he's, like, taking my photo. He was like, oh, like, you had to wear your garments to this, huh? Like, just, like, you know, like, talking yeah. trash. And it was weird. Stuff like that. It was just weird. And Yeah. Um. But I don't know. Like, it was cool. Like, I, I, I'm making it sound like it was like a, there was all this active oppression against me. And, like, that wasn't the case. But there was definitely, there were definitely some, like, uncomfortable experiences because of it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's really weird. Like, the other day, I was in New York. Obviously, I live here. <laughs> I was, like, walking down the street, and there was a big semi-truck with like a billboard or like an ad on the side, right? Like you see, and it was Metallica. And it was like, this is like Metallica's whiskey. Like this is the the brand of Metallica whiskey. And like James Hetfield from Metallica, like has been like in and out of rehab for years. And like, he's had to cancel like a bunch of shows because of alcoholism. And he like really openly struggled with it. And I was just like, man, yeah. like, this is weird. Like that drug has like killed a lot of my favorite musicians yeah but it's but it's still it's like the thing to be like a hard partying like keith richards like rock and roll guy you know yeah and it's and a lot of times when they when they die they like die as a legend right in in the rock world Uh, oh totally jim morrison Jimi hendrix all these guys who are like you know just parting so hard they lost their life it's like they just get enshrined in the legend of rock yeah and it's almost like um it's glamorized right it's like yeah. oh like they you know Dude, it's bet have you have you heard of the podcast your favorite band sucks you sent me that podcast dude and i listen to a ton of them okay <laughs> Dude, they they talk about that all the time, right? With all these bands, they're like, "Yeah, dude, the only reason they're famous is because like the main singer just died, like throwing up in his own vomit. Like they wouldn't even be a big deal if it weren't for that." Is is funny. That podcast is genius. Like, I still yeah, I still can't tell if they're like 
just trolls, but they really love the music or if they actually think these bands suck. I think it's, I think it's the former, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know either, but like I listened to the Fleetwood Mac one. Okay. And like, it was so funny to me that like, I remember, (laughs) I like remember moments from that podcast. Like they were like, yeah, like when Fleetwood Mac broke up, like a hundred cocaine dealers in various like states went out of business because like they were doing so much drugs and I don't know. They were just like, they're like very witty and it's, it's it's a good podcast. It definitely hurts though. When like, it's like one of the bands you love and you listen to them just trash right. it for like an hour. And you're yeah. like, oh, like this hurts, you know? Well, the one on Radiohead, they're like, what normal adult with like functioning emotions still listens to Radiohead, right? Like, yeah. Like, uh, you know, maybe that's a good point. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, I don't know. It, it is funny because, yeah, I feel like Radiohead kind of, they like, represent like mental illness and like technology driven insanity right right (laughs) so it's like when i go to listen to kid a it's not like i'm like having a good day you know what i mean yeah like i could listen to in rainbows or like okay computer but like when i'm listening to kid a it's because i feel like i like want to disassociate or something kid a is is darker for sure super dark um but it has my favorite radiohead song of all time which is how to disappear completely good one so good so it's like there's got to be someone uh there's got to be a band to to feel those feelings for us you know yeah i mean it's it's kind of an epidemic of our generation right just um struggling with with mental illness or um you know just being too attached to technology generally like previous generations had physical hardship and i feel like when things are good for us physically there's got to be some other challenge and it's just it's that right and i think radiohead is kind of representative of that yeah well one thing that you know i've i've always wanted to discuss with someone and and i have you hostage on this podcast right now is like one thing i think about a lot is how radiohead like they have these electronic elements so they'll bring in like a drum machine or like a synthesizer that's like snapped to a grid that's like very rigid and like angular sounding and then they'll have like strings and like an acoustic guitar and it's like this very human sounding thing yeah and they're on the same track and i feel like they like represent like humanity interacting with technology and then the song is about like surveillance and like dystopian government right and it's like this beautiful like representation of those two worlds colliding and like how like weird that feels um and I don't know, like, I don't know how they figured out because OK Computer was in 1997. And I feel like it's like prophetic and you listen to it now and it's like it applies even more than it did back then. And I don't know how they did that. Like, it's unreal. But yeah, they're they're amazing. Yeah. So Talcast listeners, you've had to hear me listen to me geek out about Radiohead a lot on this podcast probably already, <laughs> but I think this is probably the most on this one that I've done. But hopefully it inspires your audience to to give them a chance, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and my my fiance actually, her celebrity crush is Tom York, so. Um, oh, really? That's amazing. I mean, it sounds like you need to like mess up your eyes somehow and then she'll be like more physically attracted to you. That's what I'm saying, dude. You got to get the googly eye going. Yeah, I got to lower the expectations of one of my eyes. Because he, 
<laughs> do you know how we got Which, that? by the way dude by the way you and mccall's your your version of no surprises was amazing uh, oh, I actually thanks, heard about it from my brother. I didn't even know he knew you. He's like, oh, your friend Tal like, had this awesome cover of No Surprises. I checked it out. It was awesome. Oh, dude, that's sweet. I feel like um, the credit for that would have to go to McCall because I remember like we she knew of Radiohead, of course, before, but we started listening together because it was like kind of a band that we both agree that we love. Yeah. And I remember we were just hanging out and she started to play that like arpeggio at the beginning of No Surprises on the violin. And I was like, uh-huh. we got to We got to do this. Like, oh, for sure. Dude, that yeah. is really cool that the two of you. And I'm not trying to be cheesy, but you're both so talented and you can create something really beautiful like that together. I think that's really special in a marriage. Um, you know, uh, I've created beautiful kids with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's not very unique dude we can't we can't create beautiful music like you and mccall um that's really cool well i appreciate that man thanks yeah it's it's been really fun and i feel like i don't know like um meeting her not to also sound cheesy but i feel like meeting her has like breathed new life into like me as a musician i feel like i was kind of at the end of my rope like i like moved out to new york to hypothetically like play a bunch of shows to like promote this album that I made. And then like the pandemic hit and I was just like, this sucks. Like I'm, my life is over musically, you know? Yeah. And then I feel like meeting her has like really like rejuvenated that. And I should probably tell her that in person, (laughs) but no, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. And I definitely like feel it's still surreal, you know, that we both get to like make music together. and I get to be like a fan of hers and, Hopefully she's a fan of mine. I don't know. On good days. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, man. Um, well, Joe, I've kept you for like an hour. Um, we should probably wind this thing down. But um, what do you want to tell the Talcast listeners before we go to bed? The uh, the dozens that that are out there. Uh, nothing too insightful comes to mind. I just, uh, I'm glad I could reconnect with you, Tal. Um, this has just been a blast to be with you and, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to stay in touch and, and to hear what you and McCall do together. I think it's going to be exciting. Thanks, man. I'm going to call you up for all the advice. Um, we probably shouldn't drug any more ducks together. <laughs> yeah. Like we're probably yeah, past maybe, that. Maybe we're too old to be doing that stuff, you know? Yeah. But we can teach our kids the ways. For sure. I'm going to live vicariously through my kids at this point with, with pranks like that. So, Absolutely. So here's to the next generation of chaotic, drug-free yeah. pranksters, you know? <laughs> right, right on, Joe. Man. Thank You're you. the man. I love you. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, just keep killing it. And I hope I see you soon. Okay. See you, Tal. Later. <laughs>